welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Knock On Podcast 239. So this is a cool podcast. I'm just going to give you a quick little lead in. So we had this social media contest where people got to go on to a random Killcliffe landing page and sign up for the last golden ticket to the Total Archery Challenge Knock On Experience. Killcliffe was going to fly out one lucky winner to be able to have this last golden ticket and have a really cool behind the scenes experience. So today, Friday the 5th of July, they drew the name and I thought instead of announcing this on social media, it would be way cooler just to pick up the phone, call this guy on a Friday night and tell him, congratulations, brother. You're heading to Park City, Utah. Check it out. That's Jared. Hey, Jared. John Dudley. What's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you? I was thinking of doing a funny voice, but I, I panicked and I didn't do it. <laughs> I was, Damn it. <laughs> I should have I cranked. I should have cranked called you. I should have been like, hello. You should have <laughs> messed with me a little bit. Yeah, put my old lady voice on. Well, hey, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to call. I know it's Friday night. Did I interrupt anything? I know you got a you got a a big family and all. Did I catch you yeah. at a bad time? Well, uh, actually, me and my my brother's here from Fort Bragg, and we're out here shooting the bow. And I was about to do the bottle cap challenge with the kill clip and dur. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, tell him tell him thanks for his service. I was born on Fort Bragg, you know. Oh, really? Yep. Hey, John yep. says thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad and my uncle were both at E-Second Airborne. Oh, nice. Yeah, my younger brother is too. Awesome. Well, hey, I don't want to interrupt uh, you and your brother's competition, but I just wanted to call you and make sure you were ready to go next uh, Thursday because you got a flight to Salt no Lake way. City, buddy. Are you serious? Yep. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> Killcliffe called me a few minutes ago Dude. and said, uh, hey, we got a winner. And as soon as they told me Red Forest Outdoors, I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. So I said, uh, I need to get his number and his real name, and I'm going <laughs> to call him. So, I mean, I didn't. I forgot to tell you, you are live right now. I thought, I thought it'd be cool to call you and not only tell you live, but also uh, just maybe have a little quick podcast here and uh, kind of talk through this whole thing so you, in case you have any questions or um, yeah, obviously awesome. obviously you've been you've been an awesome supporter to the knock on nation and you know I try my best every day to to kind of scroll through and follow everybody that tags me and um i was i was as excited as you are when they first told me who the winner was because i'm like oh yeah i gotta call him for sure 
and just see what's up. And I thought it'd be cool to yeah. maybe do a little podcast, answer any Q and A's yeah. you've got. And uh, I don't know, man. This is it's on you. Knock on podcast number two thirty nine, folks. Awesome! I'm excited, John. I'm uh, I'm really stoked and very uh, yeah. This is this is unreal. I mean, it's like a a dream come true. Um, man, that's awesome. Yeah, we were just out here literally shooting my bow. I was getting it tuned in, and I literally just ordered uh, 70, 80-pound limbs for it, too, uh, <laughs> last week. <laughs> it's, it's been a, my, my bow journey's been a little bit of a struggle with getting it fitted right, and finally got it fitted. I had to go up to the number four cam, because I'm about a 30 and a half to 31 draw length and finally got that and uh my bow tech uh ryan he was like he's like you're gonna lose some poundage and i was like yeah and using a single pin dial and i was like yeah i'm, I'm losing too much i can only got to get out 70 yards so i was like i should probably order those limbs so <laughs> <laughs> were you gonna he's, were you gonna come out anyway i wasn't i wasn't even planning on it well, sorry, your plans are going to be broken, dude. It's going to be, it's going to be off the hook. It's going to be such a, a fun event, and uh, I'll shoot you an email on, on the whole itinerary. But it's it's going to okay. be it's going to be really fun. So you're going to be you're going to be flying out next Thursday. They're already looking at tickets for you. Um, but yeah, you'll want to make sure you'll want to make sure you're good to a hundred for sure, because there's going to be there's going to be a special little treat out there for everybody. Um, I can't totally disclose it, but we're going to have a target that, uh, is going to be pretty fun for people to shoot and it's going to give everybody the chance to win something awesome. And then obviously we're going to have a whole bunch of, uh, we're going to have a whole bunch of giveaway stuff. Um, it's going to be a fun, fun time. I'm, I'm thankful for all the support from, really everybody not only the people that i work with is like you know quote unquote sponsors i guess most of them are all friends but obviously the people just coming together and coming out there to to help support it is really really awesome i mean we can't thank everybody enough but what uh what questions do you what questions do you have for this event that i might be able to answer Probably the angles. I, I live in Georgia, so there's not a lot of uphill and downhill shots that I make. Um, I, I've made one or two of them at like a in a steep kind of in a, a steep gully, but um, those are probably going to be my hardest ones because uh, that's something that's really hard to practice unless I get in a tree stand, you know, thirty feet up and that can get tiring getting up and down in a climber <laughs> getting all my arrows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how does that, cause I've heard some of your podcasts, uh, in the past and talking, uh, about those angles, making sure your third axis is on, which we got all set up on my bow. I'm shooting the RX one. And, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I love it. And hope, hopefully I, and get those 80 pound limbs in because i'm going to need it to get out to that 100 yards or lighten my arrow real quick well um, what are you i'm trying to, i'm actually stalking you right now on on your nice. social media page um so what arrow are you 
shooting right now. It looks like you have an axis in yeah, one of axis. the photos that I'm looking at here. So it's a 260 spine axis match grade, um, 50 grains of brass up front, and it's about a 30 inch arrow. Oh, what's wave. your what's your draw length? So I am at currently right now I'm shooting 31. Okay. Inches, and it's a. I could probably shorten it up a quarter inch, and it'd be money. Well, well, if you have one that you can't get to, I might just, you can borrow mine. We sound about identical. And I'm just looking at, I'm looking at your pea pith and everything, like where you're anchoring and, and all that. And, uh, you look, you look pretty good. Other than this, I saw you kind of get on your thumb trigger here on this video I'm watching, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally busted. Yeah. Totally busted. June twenty third. June twenty third. You punched the release. There's like, there's yeah. Google's got documentation of it. It does. Man, I I had a mess up one today. I was I have a pro defiant turbo. Okay. I don't know if you got that bow. I mean the let off at seventy five percent. I mean it just wants to go. Yeah, I'm not a and, turbo fan by any unless yeah, it's from yeah. the unless it's from uh, the movie Breaking One. <laughs> electric boogaloo i like turbo in that movie but other than that i uh i don't like turbos <laughs> no yeah i had to get away from it because actually when i bought your knock to it um i had messaged you a, a long time ago and said hey man i uh shot my release through my bow my hand was kind of sweaty and went straight through it and broke and you're like yeah just go through carter i think i might have talked to or it might have been through email or something i might have emailed in and so today i'm get i was picking up that turbo because i was just kind of picking it up as a fun bow just to for some speed and man i did the same thing almost almost busted my knock tooth again i was like what in the world comstock that was a rookie move <laughs> <laughs> Uh, luckily it wasn't that bad it didn't break anything it came a little loose on the knob but she's good now tonight shooting tonight the, the rx1 is just so smooth i love that boat it's, it's great but um yeah what uh <laughs> my brother over here being in the military he's like you should ask about a packing list what do you need to bring so yeah yep. what, what about a packing list what would be uh what do i need well that's a good question um that'll be perfect for people that are coming um, the one thing that I ended up, uh, upgrading to last year when I went here, um, and granted it's in a new location, so I don't know if it'll yep. be quite the same, but, um, I actually upgraded and made sure I had some, some really good boots there. The first day that I went up, I kind of went up just shooting with, uh, with kind of my shoes that I normally practice with in the backyard. And I was regretting that because there was quite a bit of side hilling and the ground's pretty, pretty hard there. Um, and I am notoriously one to kind of cut in for my footing. And I really wasn't able to do that with the shoes that I had the very first time I went through. So I ended up, um, I actually ended up getting some, uh, crispies, some Thors is what I wore. Yeah. Um, and I really like those. They worked awesome. 
I was uh, I was able to kind of dig out my footing spots, and honestly, they gave me. I was surprised at how well they were going down um, really steep parts, and it kind of opened up my eyes to why a lot of the Western hunters really like more of a mountaineering boot uh, versus you know I was wearing. I was wearing more of like kind of an early season, um, non-structured, kind of a low-top whitetail boot just because I, you know, I kind of didn't want my feet to get hot. But there were certainly areas where I really appreciated having that really stiff sole. Um, so maybe just keep that in mind, you know, you're going to want to have something mm-hmm. that's, that is, uh, that way. And personally, um... There is some altitude there. It'll be a little bit warm, but I'm I'm not really one for for battling the sun at archery shoots. So I used <laughs> a pant, and the pants that I love the most right now are um, the Sika Scent Pant. It's like really lightweight, um, and if you get it wet in the morning, it'll it'll wick off and it'll dry off really quick. Mm-hmm. But if you have any type of, it, you know, it doesn't have to be that pant, but if you have any type of a pant that is kind of a more of a tech fabric where it's got some poly in it and it'll dry fast and then also give you the ability to, you know, to, to kind of cool down, I would recommend that. Other than that, um, definitely a range finder that has angle compensation because you are able to range the targets. Um, I'm going to be, I'm actually going to be there Tuesday laying out the knock on course, which is, which is going to be fun, um, to like create some of the shots and I'll keep them creative, but also, you know, I don't, people aren't going to be happy if they coming down with no arrows left. So I'll keep it creative, (laughs) but, um, I'll also be able to kind of make it interesting without having to make it at a distance where people can't achieve the distance and they're just kind of guessing all the time. So uh, a a range finder with angle compensation would be really, really smart. Um, Other than that, honestly, I'm not, I'm not an overpacker. I'm a minimalist. Um, There's a very good chance that people are going to see me there with a, with a brand new product concept that um, that I had Sika do for me, that's um, mm-hmm. kind of patent pending right now. Um, which I, which I think once people see it, they're gonna be like, "Oh my god, I want to next year. I want to have that." Um, but I'm kind of a minimalist. I'm not really big on unless you're prepping for a Western hunt, so to speak, which. Personally, I think it's even a little early to say that you're really doing that, but I'm not one that takes a huge backpack out there and, you know, tries to lug a whole bunch of crap around. I just think archery's funner if you're doing well at it. So um, if you are someone that drinks more than normal, then I would say brings a type of way to hydrate. But other than that, I don't think you need to have a big backpack and everything. I know a lot of people do bring like full backpacks and, you know, they almost look like they're going on a full three day hunt, but (laughs) I'm, I'm going to just really want to enjoy hanging out, sitting around with people, not feeling tense in my shoulders. And I'm going to have my bow, a very minimalist quiver, 
my release, a good pair of binos, and a rangefinder that has angle compensation. Other than yeah. that, I'm good to go. Um, obviously, I think it might be smart for people who, especially you're coming from the southeast and you're going up kind of to a higher altitude for your first time. If you mm-hmm. have a site that has like calibrated scales, it might be a good idea just for you to have some scales because if all of a sudden you get up to that higher altitude and you realize, you know, hey, I'm I'm a yard and a half hot at a hundred. Um, then you may just want to adjust your scale. And I think I'm going to be bringing some of the new knock-on sight scales with me, and it's they're all calibrated. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. They're kind of made. They're pre-cut out. They're pre-laser cut, and they fold easy. So if someone gets up there and they don't really have their marks, they can get a 20-yard mark. They can kind of do a slow walk back, get their 100-yard mark, and then they can just fold these fold these sight scales up, match a 20 and a hundred, everything else in between will will kind of fall in line. Yeah. I like that. I actually, uh, yeah, I have all the scales that came with my site. I'm shooting a single pin, uh, black gold. I think it's a scent right now, uh, or it's an assault. Okay. And, um, yeah, I just switched over to it. It's, uh, it's really, I really like it a lot. Um, not a lot going on uh, in the picture there. I was always having an issue with that, and then I switched my teeth to uh, Verifier, uh, so it clears up the pen. I think it's Verifier, correcting it if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, it could be so by Specialty Archery. Pen. Is it by Specialty Archery? Mm-hmm. I believe that one is, yes, sir. Yep, yep. And and that one helped me a lot because my, my vision was getting, it would just get all blurry and couldn't see everything, so I switched to a single pin and since then it's been i mean it's been great uh hitting all my marks um i did have a question i, I might have missed it you might have said it previously uh with your uh tack build and now are you using like a hunting setup like are you having brass in your arrows are you using pretty much what you would out in the woods or are you um, kind of changing it up to get a lighter arrow uh so you get a little bit more speed out there <laughs> funny enough um one of one of the guys that works for our shop, his name's Jesse. Um, Jesse came over tonight, and I I helped finish a build for him for his bow that he's going to be taking out there. And uh, he's got an RX one. He's shooting FMJs, and I got him dialed in uh, to shooting a hundred. And it's with like a seventy five pound RX one felt. Dude, honestly, I I maybe shot it better than what I'm shooting with my personal bow, but honestly, the bow that I'm taking out there is um it's a lighter bow. It's in the low 60s for poundage, and because of that, mm-hmm. I'm shooting an Axis 400 with an aluminum okay. insert with a 100 grain point, so I have 117 in the front of the arrow. And honestly, with a lot of my target stuff, um, I maxed out at like 120 grains for, for point weight for the front, mainly because I'm really trying to make sure I can get site clearance at the longer yardages. Um, but the reason I went with that bow was mainly because I had really let this slip up on me. And I don't mean like, I don't, I wasn't procrastinating. I just have had so much going on that. I, you know, it's been one of these things where I'm like, I need to practice. I need to practice. And I kept 
wanting to kind of go into full training mode, but things have just kept coming up that have to take priority over that. And so once I got within my three week mark, which is kind of, that's really my red zone of, I need to be training within three weeks of an event. Um, I just knew that it would probably be a struggle for me to get the type of reps that I really want out of my my hunting bows because of the poundage that they're at. So I chose to go to um, a lower poundage. Plus, I know there's a lot of people shooting these double XLs, so I kind of wanted to, to mm-hmm. have a fair opinion on it. But one of the problem is... I feel like for me, a lot of these newer cams that are on bows and all the bow companies are com- are continually competing against one another. You know, it's hard. It's hard for company A to have a cam that feels one way when company B has a cam that feels better, even if that better has its pros and cons, right? And so, I'm stuck in this little window of. If I'm shooting a bow that's technically utilizing the cams that they're using on their hunting bow, which even on like the Pro Force, it's still using the hunting cams. Mm-hmm. Um, at the lower poundages, the let off is still very high for me and the holding weight's really low. And I feel like at my draw length or at your draw length, when you're shooting lower poundage, there's a lot more time that the arrow takes as it's ramping up to project forward. So the longer that arrow is kind of hanging there on the string, the more it'll magnify flaws that you have in your form. So I've kind of got a few things going against me. One, I'm not very sharp right now. Like if I were to rate my own shooting, I would say I was maybe a six or a seven out of 10. And so I'm, I am making form flaws, whether it's, you know, in my follow through or my release position or, you know, maybe having a little variance of my front hand pressure or my how I'm like aligning my scope. All these little things, they add up faster when that arrow is on the string longer. And that's kind of what's happening for me. So I, I do have a I'm going to say it's a, a target hybrid or a hunting hybrid setup. I have a single pin. Yeah, I am shooting a hunting arrow. Like I'm not, I could have easily went to a full target arrow and probably yeah. had a little bit better results. But because I'm going so far away from my norm, I also can't 100% say I've got it as good as I could. I just know that it's good enough for me to just want to make sure I'm putting reps behind the bow and not wasting too much time trying every single arrow combination. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause, because I've noticed we are very similar in our draw length and everything. And, um, typically what's been working for you, I was like, okay, that works perfect for me. And I've been able to follow along. So honestly, even with me getting my new lens, I probably don't even need them uh, because if we're shoot, you know, shooting all day, just thinking about it, you know, you're pulling the bow back and instead of not getting fatigued like that, trying to pull out a, you know, 80 pounds all day. Um, Cause currently, so I have the 60 to 70 pound limbs just put on the number four cam. Um, and then, cause I know recently you answered one of my questions on how I could get a little bit more draw length out. 
um, of my bow and you're telling me to mess with the cables. I could get a longer string possibly, um, taking away some twists or adding twists to it. And, but right now it's pulling about 64 to 65 pounds with, uh, the limbs all the way in. Um, so would you say if I went to a lighter arrow, cause it'd be easier for me to build new arrows versus getting it all back on with new limbs and everything. Um, and then lowering it down to about 60 pounds. Would you say that'd probably be a better, that way, you know, I'm more prepared as far as I have my equipment ready to go for next week. Yeah, I would certainly say it would be faster for you to, to just try a different arrow quick and see what it does. And honestly, mm -hmm. when I do that, I don't even mess around at the short distances. Um, okay. Like a lot of the reason why I have the four foot tall uh, block targets in my backyard is if, for example, if all of a sudden I'm shooting one arrow and I'm like, you know what, I want to know if I go, you know, if I decide to go to a different arrow altogether and put it on there, I want to know what that'll do. I'll just switch to that arrow and kind of make my best guess for the site just to make sure I'm still mm -hmm. going to be on the target and I'll, you know, make a shot. And if, if I'm on the target, you know, depending on how much time I have, I may make a few site adjustments and then kind of get zeroed in and then just go for it. Or sometimes I'll just keep my site exactly where it's at and just shoot three or four different kinds of arrows down there with my sight on the same exact place and just shoot wads of like six arrows at a longer yardage and just walk down there and look. And it'll tell you, you know, if you're shooting decent, it's going to tell you really fast. You're going to be like, okay, those ones are out. Those ones are out. These two, like I need to maybe focus a little bit more on these, but yeah. Um, honestly, you're not, you know, you're shooting at foam targets. You're not shooting at an elk. You're not shooting at a moose. Um, extreme FOC, in my opinion, like this is probably one of the worst places to argue it. Um, I think if you're shooting 100 to 125 grains in your point, I think you're going to be um, more than adequate based on the, the situation. If anything, if you do find that for some reason that lighter arrow um, is helping you out some, then what you might want to do is also experiment with like some of the shorter fletches. Like I'm taking PM 2.0s as a four fletch on mm -hmm. my setup, um, but also I've got another setup that I built for someone that's max 23s. So if you lighten the front of that arrow up, you're going to also want to lighten up the back a little bit and not even, even if you're factoring in, even if there is, um, I don't know, even if your FOC isn't a factor, I should say having any type of crosswinds in those canyons, it's going to affect a shorter low profile vein less than what it would, you know, a bigger vein. So, I think um, if you're able to shoot 100 to 125 grains in the point, you know, be a little bit realistic with your rear fletching. You know, you're not trying to steer broadhead. If you're going to, you know, if you're wanting to go there and just really try to make good shots, you're not like trying to prove everything by having a 
your exact hunting bow. Like for example, I'm going there shooting a bow that I would hunt with and I'm shooting an arrow that I would hunt with. Um, the only difference is I went to a slightly smaller peep because I have a single pin and my pin isn't magnified. It's a, you know, it's just a, a single pin. Um, but more or less it's a hunting hybrid. It's a hunting crossover. Um, and mm-hmm. I, fe- I feel like personally, I feel like I can enjoy shooting more by shooting that setup. So, you know, I don't want people to be like, well, what the heck? This was supposed to be like a hunting prep. I do get it, but I also, I'm going to be on the road three weeks and I want to be able to go out in the parking lot and shoot with my buddies. If I'm shooting an 80 pound bow, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to shoot 20 arrows and say, okay, I'm good. If I'm shooting a 63 or 64 pound bow, you know, I can shoot several hundred arrows a day and it's not going to phase me. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, just pulling back the 63, 64 pounds on that RX-1, I mean, it's the valley in it. I mean, I could hold it for a long time and it, it feels great, especially now that I got my draw length kind of figured out because I was shooting... 30 inch for a while and felt like my head was going to going forward. But then at that time, you know, you just, you spend, you know, 14, $1,500 on a bow and you just realize, well, I didn't, you know, get the length right. Uh, and then you start looking into correcting it and then finally get it corrected. And it, it is money. I mean, right at that pound. So yeah, that's, that's great to, uh, especially getting in all the reps you're talking about, there's no way I can imagine doing that at 80 pounds. You just, you start to break down, like you say, your front shoulder and uh, you're going to start moving around a lot. And I've seen that even when my bow was 70 pounds, trying to get in those reps or shooting a Vegas round. And that's by the end of that with 70 pounds, it's just, I mean, you're one, you're dripping with sweat, <laughs> slipping, slipping releases, shooting releases through your bows, you know, at the end. Uh, but uh, it's, it's it gets tiring because that's actually what i was just talking to my bow tech about they uh they had a double xl there um 50 to 60 pounds and i was thinking about getting that uh just to get the the practice in the fundamentals like you teach in the school of knock and i mean that way you can get in like you said hundreds of arrows shooting at that lower poundage um yeah, I'm a big advocate of that. I had um, I had a couple friends out a, a few weeks ago. John Barklow was one of them, and mm-hmm. you know he's all about training. I mean, he's as hardcore as they get when it comes to preparation and like making sure you're prepared for anything and everything. And I just told him, I said, "Dude, you would really appreciate setting up a bow that during your downtime." you're able to just really focus on fine-tuning your technique and stability and comfort on like that release going off and really starting to try to perfect your front sight stabilization and really start to have almost a baseline of how accurate can I really be. And then once you move into your hunting setup, you're going to see some decline in that accuracy because you're going to have a larger mm-hmm. peep sight. You're going to have a bigger front pin. You're going to be shooting, you know, a, a lot bigger fletch that will then be affected more by the wind. 
Um, you know, if the arrow's a little bit slower, it might be affected a little bit by, you know, drop or range estimation. But overall, you'll be able to shoot through the downtime without having wear and tear on your body. Um, I think one of the things that makes it most transitionable is trying to figure out a setup to where your holding weights are closer together. And that's one of the things that I'm struggling with now is, you know, like I said, I'm shooting in the low 60s, but I'm shooting essentially a hunting cam with a 70% let off. And I'm not able to I'm not able to adjust that. Like if I could take that to a 60 or 65% let off at that lower mm-hmm. poundage, it would feel more like when I'm shooting my 70 pound hunting bow. And that's what, that's why a lot of target archers prefer those cams that have the lower let offs because it does take the string away from the face at about the same speed as, as some of these lower poundage high let off bows. Um, and you're not able to, to maybe see as many as many of the mistakes is kind of what I'm seeing right now. But I think it's a big deal. I'm a big I'm a big advocate of, you know, I'm shooting an Axis 400 right now. Um, if I was shooting indoors, like for example, if I had an indoor event that I was trying to shoot this same, you know, I'm going to call it a hunting hybrid setup, which is a lower poundage setup with. A single pin, a little bit smaller peep, still no clarifier. You know, shoot your same stabilization. I've got a side rod on mine, but you know, honestly, mm-hmm. I've I've got a t- I've got a twelve inch rod on the front too. Um, but you know, I'm just shooting. I'm just able to shoot and enjoy it. I don't have shoulder pains. I don't have height front elbow hyperextension pains. And that stuff will come if you're sitting there beating on yourself in the 70 plus range for tens of thousands of arrows a year. I mean, it is, it's going to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, and especially with me, I've had injuries in the past. Um, like I struggle with a upper rib on my right side that, you know, always gets out. I have to get it adjusted and it lifts out. I'm, Say what? It lifts out. It it like the rib will come out of place. Yeah. And it'll just be, you know, sore all day. And even if I go golf or uh especially when I it, when I pick up my bow and I was shooting seventy pounds um a few weeks ago before I got my, my uh cams in um to lengthen my draw, the uh I could only get through maybe fifty, sixty arrows, this that, and I'm done. Um just in one sitting and I'm just, I got to put it up and go get on a foam roller and start rolling it out. Cause it just really tightened up and the next day it'd be worse. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people are, Hey, did you shoot your bow today? <laughs> no, there's no way. There's no way. Not at 70 pounds. It's, it, it gets bad. So going to the lower poundage, especially for the practice is something I'm trying to do differently this year. Um, just, just so I can, get the form in my, my key my thing is i mean if you can't shoot it really well at you know 50 pounds and do every all the mechanics everything right your knocking point making sure you're hitting the same spot you're not going to do it well at 80 pounds even um when you go to pull that bow back you even if you are a strong guy like i'm, I'm pretty 
I mean, I think I'm pretty strong. Um, you know, I can hold an 80 pound bow, you know, for a little bit, but I mean, it breaks you down, especially if you're, you know, battling with injuries. So I, it's definitely a key to practicing that lower poundage. I think like you're talking about, and that was something I was really trying to focus on because of the injury I, I had struggle with and, and try to get it better. Um, you know, even trying to strengthen those back muscles. I, I don't know if you've had anything dealt like that. I know you've had some shoulder issues. What, what did you do to, you know, if you started hurting, would you push it a little further or do you just stop immediately to where you can't take it? Um, you know, it kind of depends on what I'm pushing for. Obviously, if I'm pushing for something of importance, then I'm going to push. Um, if I'm honest, right now I'm, I was, I was really, really close to dealing with a, uh, a front frozen shoulder, um, this morning I've had, I've kind of been in hotels for the last three weeks. I slept on my side really kind of funky one night and woke up and it was really tight. And then I came in and if you remember, I've built a few bows in the last several weeks for some people that yeah. had very short draw lengths. Um, and <laughs> one of them was, uh, I built a bow for Evan Hafer was the last one that I built. And he's, he's got a very short draw, like 27 and a half and his poundage is kind of mid seventies. And so as I'm like building these bows and sighting these bows in for these people, I have to shoot a very, very compressed front shoulder and a, and yeah. a bent front arm in order to do that. And I was traveling. I slept on my shoulder wrong a few nights. I kind of felt like I had some impingement. And then I was literally fully compressing, fully encapsulating and and uh, tightening up my front shoulder in order to fit into this bow. And then next thing I know, I wake up and my front shoulder mobility is almost zilch. So I've been working for about the last seven days to try to freeze it up or unfreeze it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, you know, I deal with that stuff. It's, you know, it's not something that I need to like talk about because it's just, it's the reality. It's no different than, you know, runners that run a lot. Of course, they're going to have blisters. Of course, they're going to have, you know, yeah. bad inflammation in their hips but they just kind of deal with it this is something i'm dealing with too but i will say if it doesn't really matter then yeah i'm definitely going to take care of myself and make sure that i'm off the field for a shorter period of time but if it's game day then yeah you got to tape up and go out so um that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm gonna i'm doing my best to to not freak my shoulder all the way out to where I'm going to end up not being able to shoot next week. But I'm also shooting just enough to where I feel like the timing and the rhythm of my release is kind of where I need it to be. But I will say for sure at both of these events, I'm not prepared strength wise for like up and downhill shots. So for example, if I was going to a field like a field championship right now where I wasn't just going to shoot one arrow at one target and then move to the next target. If I had to shoot a group of three or five arrows, it would be a problem. Now, can I stand there and <laughs> dig deep and make one good shot? I'm, I'm pretty certain I can do that, but 
I would get my ass handed to me right now if I had to go out and shoot three arrow groups on a 40 degree angle. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't be able to do it because I just haven't built that stamina at those types of angles. One, you know, a one and done. Yeah. I probably can muster through that, but, um, to do what I had to do in competition, it would be, it would be next to impossible. It wouldn't be realistic for me to say that I could do it. What on the angle shot? So obviously me never really being able, not really practicing it, but just cause I, when I'm hunting in Georgia or in the South, I mean, there's not a ton of angles that I'm going to have to worry about. Um, you don't really do spot and stalk whitetail down here, uh, or much of anything. The only thing you could really spot and stalk, maybe some hogs, but with the angles that you're shooting at out there, uh, in, uh, Utah, what would you say would be like the major mistakes you see people make, uh, shooting at steep or, or high angles? Okay. So there's going to be, and this is one of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to being able to shoot with a lot of our followers. Um, and that's kind of how this whole thing started us having our entire, like an entire knock on range was kind of a secondary thought. Originally mm-hmm. it was just, just going to be this experience where, I actually reserved the first two hours or two and a half hours of the tram for the Friday to where we could have this big green swarm that went up the mountain. And the idea was when they went up there, I would shoot a few targets with one group and then stop and let them pass, shoot a few targets with the next group, stop, let them pass, you know, and that's, and that's what I will be doing. So I do want to be able to shoot certain, you know, shoot a few targets with every group. And part of that was just to be able to help give instruction on if I were to step to this stake for the first time, which I will be, um, here's everything I would look at with the target. So one of the first things that I would look at would be what the distance is. Obviously, I need to know how far is this thing. And for me personally, because I have a serious problem with this, I would look and try to figure out how far it is. Now, if you want to challenge yourself, if you're someone that's going there and you're going to shoot multiple days, then on the first day, don't range the target first. Try to estimate the distance to the target first. Really Mm -hmm. give it your best guess. And then once you've kind of figured this is what I would shoot it for, then range it and you know, once you range it and you have confirmation of that distance, set your sight. Like for me, that's the first thing I'm going to, I want to know distance first. I want to set my sight. Then from there, I'm going to try to identify the target. So I'm going to look at where is, where is my point of impact? You know, where am I going to be holding on this target? Um, one of the problems with 3d targets and one of the things I don't like is, I don't like how when you start to angle the targets, the scoring rings always kind of stay where they're molded because obviously if you're shooting 40 degrees up on a ram that's quartering away from you, you would have to shoot it like through the top of the shoulder blades and forward of the shoulder in order to shoot a 10 or a 12 when the reality is you'd probably want to go in right between the legs, you know, going – 
the, your arrow is going to be coming up from the bottom, angling up to the top. Mm-hmm. So I always try to imagine that line of my arrow passing from front side to back side. What is that arrow going to be doing as a hunter? That's what I always think. So yeah. from a scoring p- point of view, I guess it depends what you're looking for. If you're wanting to go there and say, I'm going to shoot for things as I would if I were going to shooting in a hunting situation. But either way, you're going to, I would identify the target and pick my point of impact. From there, I'd really glass it and try to confirm it. And then the next thing I would do would be identify the weather conditions. So I would either identify if there's a wind, an updraft, a downdraft, um, whether there's rain. Um, all that stuff starts to factor into how it's going to affect the arrow. So I would try to figure that part out. And then once I understand what I'm doing, like for example, uh, and it might not be weather conditions, let's just say conditions in general, assess your conditions. Because one of the things you need to identify too is, you know, if I'm on a side hill, what happens to a lot of people when they draw their bow back is, you know, gravity affects your bow as well. So a lot of people that draw back thinking that their bow's level, what happens is by the time they anchor and settle into their peep and aim on the target and look at their bubble, you'll find out that your top limb is almost always falling downhill. So what I really try to make it a point of doing is identify the slope of the canyon so that I can really focus on slightly turning my top limb into the mountain as I'm going through my draw cycle. And that way, as I anchor and I get into my peep sight and I'm moving my pin to the target, my top limb might be canted into the mountain just a little bit. But once I get my pin where I want it to be, I'll slowly relax just a little bit in that front bow hand and the bow will naturally start to level itself And that way you're not fighting your bubble. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll identify the conditions. You know, where is is the upslope? Which way is my bow naturally going to be wanting to to head towards? And then the last thing that I would recognize was my footing. I'd want to see where my footing is and make, make sure that I make the adjustments in order to get my footing correct. And once I did that, I would pretty much go into my shot sequence mode, which most of you who followed the school would be able to identify. Yeah. That's a lot of good info. That's, I mean, definitely going through that checklist mentally. I'm going to be practicing it, of course, a little bit as much <laughs> as I can. Yep. <laughs> yep. Trying to get that going. Um, now, would you say – so? bending at the waist, especially on like an uphill shot. Um, I know that's something I've struggled with a little bit. And even my tech at, uh, at my bow shop, he's like, Hey, you're, you're dropping your shoulder a little bit in the front. Like it's a little, it's a little too low where it's not even, I kind of have a more of a natural downward aim. Um, so for those, I mean, you're just, what would you have to watch for? I know I hear, you know, you want to bend at the waist and keep, your arms level and everything um, with how you're shooting, but you have any pointers or tips there with maybe someone who isn't used to shooting up at an upward angle on how far, you know, to bend your, your waist. Should you widen your stance a little bit um, to maybe get a better base? Well, 
honestly, I try to keep my footing the same as what we talk about, keeping up, keeping your feet mm-hmm. shoulder width, keeping your feet under your hips. Um, yeah, certainly you want to try to go through your whole process, um, you know, keeping your T formation and then bending at the waist, whether to acquire the target that's up or down. If you've done it enough times, sometimes I pick kind of the middle ground. For example, let's just say the target's uh, 100 feet above me. I might draw my bow more at like the 50 foot mark so that I'm not hinging so much that it feels really weird. I might point it halfway up to that target and draw back there, get settled in, and then pivot at my waist to complete that last little bit. But the main thing is when you're shooting on angles, what's most critical is that people remember to draw back, anchor first, Adjust your head so that you're looking through your peep sight, then align your front sight, rear sight, and then adjust your body to acquire the target. When you're shooting on these hills, everyone starts to want to just look at the target through their peep sight and they get in the habit of Mm -hmm. pulling the peep sight back to your eye. And you really Uh, want to avoid that. I mean... If you're not able to shoot in those elevated conditions, are you going to be tired? Is it going to be tough to be stable? Yes. The best thing you can do is just tell yourself, okay, listen, I'm shooting with my hand over my shoulder. I'm going to be freaking moving all over the place. I get it. I'm okay with it. And just tell yourself, be like, hey, subconscious, dude, we got a deal here. I'm cool with that. So you be cool with that. Let's just, you know, continue to be trust what's going on and we'll let the arrows fall where they may, you know, don't feel like you have to rush the shot just because that's happened. It'll be really important for you to make sure that you realize you're not going to be perfectly steady on those Hills. You just need to do your best to embrace that float and really commit to pulling through that release. Like I don't dilly dally and try to aim when I'm on those harder angles. I literally do get most of every bit of my stabilization set at lo- you know before I let off of a safety or before I put my finger to a trigger. You know, I try mm-hmm. to get to that position, make sure my anchor's tight, double check that, double check my peep alignment, my pins there. I'm I'm entrusting as much as I can, and I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna start my pull. I get my trigger there, preload maybe a little bit more than normal, and once I start, I'm going because to aim in those positions, you're gonna yeah. end up creeping. Yep. Oh man, what uh. So what are you using both the silver back and the knock to it, or maybe throw a little too smooth action in there? What are you going to be using mainly? Um, probably the too smooth a lot. I mean, I may shoot depending. I might shoot some uh, back and forth, but I'll probably shoot a hinge on the range. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna bring all of mine at least, uh, just to have it there and kind of figure out i mean i love that knock to it and then to stay honest when i go that silverback every time it's just the groups are tighter everything just seems to be clicking even better and as you saw you i punched the trigger that one time so (laughs) yeah i love the knock to it (laughs) i love the knock to it as well and honestly i love my silverback but 
you know, if you're shooting very, very low holding weight, and honestly with this mm-hmm. particular bow at my I'm unfortunately for me at this at a double XL in my draw length, I'm kind of sitting right dead in the middle of the cam for like cam stop positions, which I'm not a big fan of because my wall starts to feel a little bit softer. Um, Mm -hmm. And because my wall is softer, when I shoot a silverback, I don't, my groups are the same, but I'm not hitting the same spot as I do with my other two releases. And so I know a lot of people ask that question, um, you know, why is my silverback hit a little bit different? So if you're pulling harder on your wall sometimes than others, especially if you have cams that are very spongy or if your limbs are backed out, um, it will show you a variance in impact. However, your groupings are probably going to be at the better side of that because your pull against the wall is going to be more consistent than like with me with a hinge. I'm probably not as consistent on my back wall as I am with the silver back. Um, I just feel like honestly with some of the stuff that I'm dealing with right now, I'm dealing with some shoulder pain. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do what's going to allow me to be on the course for the longest amount of time and on the practice field. So, um, my shots are still dynamic, but they're probably on the lower end of that dynamic scale. Yeah, that makes sense. It's because when I shoot my silverback and uh, even at the higher poundage, and then if I change my poundage. Or I'm trying to get it, even if I'm trying to get my silver back to maybe fire a little hotter, um, I have noticed, and it could just be me, maybe I'm just not as consistent in my back wall, um, because I'll even try to give it a little bit extra pressure just to see maybe what poundage I, or what I have to really pull through to get it to go off. And then sometimes I'll feel like I'm pulling forever and it's not going off. And so I, you know, I'm turning the the screw down and, and playing with it, trying to find that that sweet spot on it. Um, but I, well, I one of the of one of the before, key one of the keys to that seriously is, and that's re- big reason why I did the maintenance uh, video is that one drop of oil makes such a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. For example, right now I've got the air conditioner cranking in my house. When I go outside, every, all my gear immediately sweats. And then it, you know, when it sweats like that and then dries up, that starts to, you know, it does start to cause corrosion on the inside of your release. Like on a knock to it, you'll see that, you know, like on the inside of your little holes on your cocking spring, you can kind of see little bit little bits of like rust development, you know. So that's kind of a sign that when you're going hot to cold, hot to cold during this time of year, the condensation starts to kind of play on all your equipment, whether it's your sights, you know, if you have like a really high tolerant, um, site, like for example, my Sherlock's, the bushings used to swell. And these are all things that people need to learn to deal with, you know, climatizing your equipment, um, going from hot to cold, hot to cold, hot to cold, and them sweating like that, you know, one drop of oil, that would probably be one of the best things people could do before they head to the tack is put a fresh mm-hmm. drop of rim oil 
um, you know, right behind that hook on their silverback if they're taking it, or follow that maintenance video on the knock to it for, you know, the few drops of oil blowing the air pressure back and forth, back and forth. Um, it would be wise to do that because you're definitely going to be in air conditioning going on to the hot mountain and you're going to deal with that same sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. I'm going to be doing that and making sure it's nice and lubed and getting it tested out again and trying to get it real consistent. Cause I mean, the silver bat, I love it. And, and what really is a true testament to it. And even though this was with my, and this was with my pro defiant turbo, um, last year I was shooting FMJs and, uh, they, uh, forget how much they were, they were about 586 grains, had 75 grains of brass up front. And I was trying to shoot a balloon at 60 yards and I ended up Robin hooding my arrow cause I was just letting it float right where I was aiming the last time. And sure enough, it, it, I was just amazed. I was like, are you kidding me? And it just, if you do the things right, you'll be shocked at how well you'll just shoot better. And that's why I love the silverback. Cause I'll, I'll go back to it. If I feel like, Hey, you just pulled that shot because you're trying to anticipate the thumb release or the, uh, you're not pulling through your shot like you should be. And I'll pull out that silverback again and try to go through that mental checklist and all right, just pull through my shot. Let me float the pin. And sure enough, I'll shoot two arrows and they'll be right on top of each other. And, I can't do it that much. I get the expensive hit because I did it again. I almost Robin Hood another one of my arrows and dug out the knock in an FMJ. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I just built these. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I know. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you realize now that you're learning this style of shooting, you can't shoot at the same target. Like I, yeah. I love people's groups, but I'm like, dude, don't end up hurting yourself because of that. But yeah, uh, it's crazy. Well, cool, dude. It's Friday. I got to. Uh, I've got about twenty minutes left outside. I need to get some arrows nice. shot. You got your brother there. I appreciate that hour, man. We're gonna have a good hey, time I'm, next week. I'm stoked. And just, I have one last question for you about the attack. Uh, um, yep. I'm sure everyone's probably wanting to know the same thing. How many arrows do you would you recommend on people bringing? <laughs> it depends <laughs> i don't know it depends That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> it, yeah it is it's like are you with a group where you're going to continually challenge one another to wreck your crap or are oh, you going to yeah. go out there and shoot on the stakes and and try to take it serious you know last year i went out there and um i don't think i don't think i lost a arrow um so, but I also, well, I shouldn't say I shot from the stake because there was probably five shots where me and Fred Eichler were jacking around and took some like <laughs> total ridiculous shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, if you're going to shoot it multiple times, like some people have bought the ability to shoot a range each day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think I would bring 18. Um, a dozen and okay. a half. But again, I think if you focus on making good shots, go out there with good sight marks, stay on the on the stakes, and uh, kind of keep it real, then I think you'll be you'll be fine with that. And 
The other thing too is uh, I do want to say this to people. Don't make the mistake of going out there and getting unconfident with your site tape. Um, if, for example, last year the practice range was on an upslope, so by the time you're shooting the longer distance, you're shooting the longer distance at an incline. So ideally, ideally they will have a practice range where it's flat, where you can make sure your scales are correct. Um, but, you know, if you go out there and their 100-yard practice target is on a 20-degree angle, don't feel like you need to recalibrate your 100-yard mark. Make sure if you're, if you're checking your marks and if you're going to be making adjustments to your mark, make it if you're on flat ground. And also if you get up there and you're battling a side wind during your practice round, make sure you don't start chasing, chasing your sight right or left, because by the time you get up on the mountain and you're switching from one way to the next, you might end up just constantly being chasing your sight pin. So uh, try to sight in where you can be confident in your marks and then you'll enjoy the course. Yeah, I like that. That's good. I'll All be right. definitely getting, getting 18 ready. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, dude. This was uh, thanks, God. I appreciate it. super awesome. And uh, I want to say thanks again to everybody at Killcliff. Really pumped about this. And I'm going lo- to be launching this uh, podcast uh, tomorrow morning, man. Awesome. I'm excited. I Thank you, Killcliff and Knock On Nation and John. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm stoked and can't wait to get out there and crush it with you guys all right see you brother appreciate it all right brother take care knock on bye be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com